that's one of those times where you work your butt off to get over there. So you work up a sweat, drop your clothes, you're doing the thermal regulation type stuff. But, and I got to watch all that and I got to see pretty much the whole deal. And again, like you can go through it, but to me, from my angle, you were doing everything exactly right. You were patient, you know, when I, I'm like, hey, if you can't see them, stay warm, move your toes, and you were doing squats, and I, I think you were even thinking about doing push-ups and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for me, I'm like, this is perfect. This is something I think guys don't realize. If you've ever been a spotter, if you've ever, you know, tried to help a buddy get into position, the way the aspect of the hill is and the way you see things is never how it really is down there. When it comes to hunting, the emotions, you're hot, you're cold, your emotions are excited because you see a buck, you're going in a spot stock, you're frustrated. I mean, you have to be prepared, not only just physically, but the amount of emotions that you're brain goes through in a hunt is everything you got to be your mind has to be ready to be mad sad excited all of it to see how people manage their emotions it reminds me of this year my son got to go antelope hunting and i i warned him exactly i said when i go hunting with john and charles you're you better be prepared because you're gonna be all of this and he looked at me and yet we stalked four different times and each time he had tears in his eyes because he couldn't manage his emotions mm-hmm. he's just you know he's so young but what what a, what a life lesson in dealing with people dealing with your wife dealing with your kids mm-hmm. Hey guys, I want to start off by thanking you for keeping me on the air since 2004. I'm trying to keep everything fresh and keep bringing you content that is both enjoyable and informational. So if you can help me out by hitting me up on Instagram or Facebook and giving me some suggestions for guests, topics, and questions, I'd really appreciate it. Also, you've heard me say this, but please, 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 Take a few moments to give me a review on iTunes. It's so important to keeping me on the air. So if you want this podcast to stick around, please get on there and drop me a line. Lastly, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Been the title sponsor of the show for a long time. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20% on everything they offer. All right, let's get into this next episode. So it's crazy to me, and I guess by default, that might be a bit crazy, how decades of success and positivity can be torn down so easily by a short string of, I don't even know what to call it, but things not going my way or things not going your way. I had a pretty big realization during this hunt. I got very down on myself, got to a point where I doubted every decision I made and second-guessed every decision I made, and that was very obviously counterproductive and probably aided in my not succeeding on my goal. I had a very specific buck that I really wanted, although I had a hit list of three three different bucks that I... I would have shot, but there was one buck in particular that I wanted and I created an 
had many opportunities, many. You'll hear some of them in this podcast. Really, if I was to go day by day and and go through every single stock and kind of pick apart everything, this would be a three-hour podcast probably, and I'm not the greatest storyteller in the whole world, so it probably wouldn't be that great. But I'm actually super happy that I'm having Dan come on the podcast I've known Dan and we've haunted together for a very long time, like 12 years, I think. And he's always like a ray of positivity, almost to the point that sometimes I almost find that annoying being <laughs> being who I am, that people are so positive and I could be very, very negative. Not that what he does is annoying, but it's like he actually got me through this, <laughs> got me through this week or these are. 12 days or whatever with his positivity and it actually made me come to some realizations and the reason why I'm bringing all this up and you'll listen to the podcast here but I want you guys to take it as an example of you see people in media social media whatever uh, having successes and I mean that's kind of the problem with social media is that everybody just shows their the good things that happen and never show the bad. And so, you know, it's very easy to look at these things and translate that to, oh my God, everybody's having success and everybody's doing well. So when you're not in that position, it's very easy to just view that you're not good enough or whatever the case may be. I don't know, whatever whatever the case may be, but there was points at this where I literally considered in my head I'm going to quit hunting. I'm going to quit hunting. I'm a has-been. I'm not good at this anymore. I can't I can't do this. I can't perform like I used to. <laughs> it's the craziest thing because I still shot two deer this year. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm a freaking psycho when it comes to that. I, like, try to measure everything. And, like, I used to keep a running total. And I'm trying to get away from that stuff because I had where I was – keeping track of my percentage of of how well I did and how how I didn't and I don't know man I, I think it starts to take away from what used to give me a plus and a positivity and a boost was actually starting to take away because the negative moments were far outweighing the positive moments and um, you know I know this sounds like a uh, a, a a couch session at a therapist or whatever, but it's, I'm, I'm putting this out there and showing my vulnerability, I guess, because I want other people who might be feeling that way about something and and it might not be hunting. So like hunting might just be truly a positive and fun thing for you. But for me, hunting is part of what I am and when I don't have success, I view it, and I shouldn't, I view it as a, you know, a negative on who I am. You know, I don't know if that's explained well or not, but I guess what my point is here is don't allow years of positivity, whether that's positive moments, successes, whatever, don't let that be erased by negativity. 
even if you have more negativity than good, um, I guess it's really important to focus on the good stuff and not the bad stuff, I guess, is the the moral of the story. So without further ado, I'm going to quit rambling and we're going to jump into this podcast and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we're going to do a little recap of South Dakota. I got my uh, longtime friend, Daniel Graff, on with us. What's up, man? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I'm excited to talk about the hunt because it was uh, some new things this year that we hadn't experienced a little bit. (laughs) I feel like it's always ever-evolving into something different. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the crops the crops change the weather the weather was a hundred percent different than last year i mean we froze our butts off last year and then this year shoot we were in t-shirts a couple times yeah so it was it was probably in all the years that i've gone except for i also have been there in september but for all the years that i've gone november to south dakota that was the warmest i've ever experienced it and i say warm it's not like it was like warm like yeah we wore t-shirts but it was because it was like 60 degrees it was never like hot or anything like that but it was pretty pleasant pretty pleasant i i think i don't remember what day it was i think we had it was the warmest day it was like 64 degrees and um I was sitting there and you know how the phone gives you like, you know, it'll remind you of a memory. Yeah. And uh, the memory was of the previous year, same day. And I was like whispering to my phone. I was sitting in a little house on the prairie and um, it was right after that snow and it was super icy and cold and whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's one degree. And it's blowing 15 to 20 miles an hour. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, what a difference from last year to this year. One degree and 15, 20 miles an hour. And it was like no wind at all. Uh, and it was, which is, that's another crazy thing. I mean, how many days did we had that there was zero wind? That was I know. Absolutely that, not. That, that did kind of blow my mind. And, and it's just so hard to stalk. Yeah, I was going to say, for a guy like me who's not super patient and not super sneaky, having no wind is, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, where my, that's where my success comes from, I think, <laughs> yeah. is, being I, able to, is being able to get, uh, you know, to use the wind to my advantage. Yeah. So. You know, and one of the things that stuck with me was the... Um, you know the crop. We didn't have corn, right? We didn't yep. have corn that Two was planted, years in a row. and so, and so now, you know, as we were doing it, and I'm I'm watching you guys from a mile away, put on stocks on the you know on the other side of the brakes, and it just dawned on me. It's like, it 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 makes it so much easier when we have the crops. But hunting with you guys. If the deer are on the other side, because there's corn, you know, to the to the south of us, to the west of us, you guys get it done. You guys 
you know, you put your hiking boots on and you get after it and, and you find the bucks where they are. And, and I was, it, I just, it kind of dawned on me this year that, man, this doesn't make it easy, but mm. you guys, you know, you're not afraid to put the work in. And I think that's the thing with hunting, you know, so many people oh, are yeah, you got afraid. Them. Yeah. They're afraid to work for it. And, and no matter who you guys get to come and hunt with you, everyone's been willing anyway to put a little bit of work in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's rewarding. It really is. Yeah. I think when you're, I've even noticed it with myself too. Like when you're with people that are willing to do a certain amount of effort or put in a certain amount of effort, whatever that it may be. And it's more than what you normally would do more times than not. You'll rise to the occasion. Yep. You know, encouragement. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot. I mean, I, I hunted with a lot of people that were for a number of years there that were quite a bit younger than me. So, you know, hiking and, st- and and I don't know if it's a pride thing or whatever it is, but I don't I don't know I don't think I ever like thought of it in my head like, hey, I'm gonna show these young whippersnappers or whatever, you know, in my head that I was gonna do it, but for whatever reason, I just did it, you know, and yep. I think it's as a whole in general, you always want to surround yourself with people who are either will outwork you or out or have more talent than you. Cause you're going to want to meet that, that level that they're at some way or somehow. That's how you get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the, same, know, the opposite thing, happens the other way too. Like if you're always yeah. with people who are much less than you and it's not that hard to, you know, to shine, you tend to not. And I had, I had that too in my life, you know, where I was hunting with people that were, you know, relying on me constantly and um you know it, that also comes with its t- comes with its tolls <laughs> you know it takes a couple takes a couple of chunks out of you too but it's uh it, as far as getting better it's hard to get better when you don't when you're not around people who are better than you so yeah you know when we were when you were talking about doing this podcast that was one thing i it just kept coming back to me is it's the people we have such fun conversations and it's so varied it's from oh, yeah, it's all over you know, the place you know how if you're talking about the political stuff on the howl for wildlife and and the things that different states are doing across the country you you know we're we're saying our prayers before dinner time we're we're talking we, we touch on politics but it's not important to, that important to us you you're talking about wildlife management i mean and then we're talking about Charles and in in the loss of his dad and you know you got the emotions you know that it makes you so sad mm-hmm. and I the people is what makes it the hunting is fun it's important it's uh, it's a management tool but man and the people the guys we had with this year you know Mark and Don just meeting people uh, is so important to me and and I just I don't know. They they were so excited to to see new country and 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 John, we saw more pheasants this year than I don't think than we ever have. And the grouse were everywhere. Oh my god, the grouse actually screwed me up a couple times. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did the coyotes. Well, this coyotes actually helped us yeah. on one hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charles got Charles got really lucky with the guy with the coyote. Oh jeez. <laughs> that just I thought the hunt was over. I'm looking and I see this coyote come screaming from behind him where he just got done walking. Yeah. And the deer were already kind of on alert. And so when that coyote come running around those trees, the deer scatter one direction, the coyote goes the other direction, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's, it's over. And the buck walks right into Charles's lap. That was – yeah. It, and not only did he walk into his lap, he walked 10 yards looking straight at him, runs away, and then – walks right back in front of him through the cedars broadside at 20 yards it was just to watch that all was just so much fun <laughs> that's 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 nutty yeah you know there's 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 a lot of crazy things that happened this year and um i, I guess let's uh let's break it down let's kind of go through it so I got there November 4th. We got there that afternoon out to the ranch by the time we got all our shit together and rental trucks and groceries and all that. We got out in time to glass for that night to figure out what we we're going to do. I always kind of like formulate some kind of hit list, you know, of, of bucks. And of course, it always evolves too, you know, because we see different deer. That's one of the beauty of beautiful things of the rut is deer come in and out. But right off the bat that evening, I glassed up stickers, which end up being my nemesis for the whole hunt <laughs> um, until the last morning when I decided to shoot a different buck. But yeah, I glassed them up and I was just like, I want this deer. I want him yep. just because he's a big, not super big. I think score wise, he's probably high 160s maybe 170 i don't i don't think he was really a super high scoring buck but he had the dual matching kickers off his back forks he had good deep forks just a good looking decent mass on him just a good looking solid buck that i was just i was super happy i would would have been super happy to got it and end up getting him um <laughs> despite my my efforts which we'll go through but um so our first hunt was that what was, was the next morning november 5th i don't really remember i know we started off we all started glassing together and then charles kind of went off doing his thing as he always does but by like nine thirty that morning i think somewhere around there that's when i glassed up too tall which is oh yes yeah, Too Tall was another buck that made the hit list for me right off the bat. That's the first time I had seen him was that morning. Uh, we had yep. seen, I had seen him like two other times after this, but that morning there was no wind at all. It was fairly cool. I think it was in the 30s. Uh, no wind, glass up Too Tall. You and I had moved over, gotten to towards the south part of the ranch and uh, got in a better position to kind of get a really good eyes on him. And he was just this tall, narrow, but really tall and kind of heavy four-point buck. I mean, if he had deep forks and normal width, he would, you know, he would have been a great scoring buck. But he was, like I said, super narrow. Inside his ears narrow, and but went straight up. He was a great-looking deer. 
Uh, I posted yep. them on Instagram that morning when I when we glassed them up, and or when I glassed them up, and then I went and put a stalk on them, and you got me close, man. I was less than I think when I actually busted because I couldn't range them. I said it was twenty eight yards, but or something like that. But when I got down to where he was bedded and I was able to see up through the trees. I think I was less than 17 yards from him, man. I think it was super, super oh. close. I just yeah, couldn't. So hard. I couldn't. From that angle that I came in on him, he was laying. He was laying in like a a meadow, I guess we'll call it, and right up against the edge of some cedar trees. So his he was laying in the shade of the cedars, right up against, but like out in the meadow, and yep. which is what they often do at this time of year. They're I call it setting a tree stand. They're they're basically they hunt these areas. They get in the position where they could just see, like see and smell, because they want to be yep. able to find does. It's not even a, about threats. They're looking for does. They want absolutely. They they're trying to get the the scent or this or sight on a, some does. If they see it or smell it, they just boom. They get up and they go and they go chasing after them. But uh, yeah, so I had came in on him. And it looked like a great stalk, but again, there was no wind. And I think I was just close enough that he just heard me moving in the grass and he got up because the wind never busted me. He couldn't see me. There was no way he could see me. So it just must have been sound thing. Yeah, I don't really. And he didn't, he didn't, it wasn't like he went screaming out of there. No, no, you know, like, and that's the, that was surprised me this year too. A lot of these stalks, the bucks, you get in close to them and they, they sensed something wasn't right, but they truly didn't know, you know, what you were. Mm-hmm. And, and so it didn't, you know, blow them out of the country. They just, they just went to the next little draw and found some does and would just bed right down again. Yep, exactly. Which often, you know, presented multiple opportunities because of it, you know. Absolutely. I, uh, like, I don't know how many times I think, I think it was stickers, I think it was the next day, matter of fact. Uh, oh, no, that evening, that evening, you found stickers because I had stayed up on the west side and you were on the east side of the of the big um, creek bottom. And uh, I don't know, how many yards you say that is across? Thousand? From where? From like the cabin oh. across to like yeah. where the green feeder is it's- or something. It's a distance, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got to be at least a thousand, maybe more, right? I think it's more, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's probably more. It's about fifteen hundred yards. I think it's somewhere somewhere between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred yards. Anyway, I was on one side and you were on the other, and you you radioed to me and told me that there was a buck. Bedded. And I, I, for for a while, I couldn't understand what you were saying or how you were telling me that where it was. Uh, and then it started making sense. He was actually on the same ridge line as me, and it happened to be that stickers buck. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, and um, the wind finally picked up that evening a little bit. It wasn't, still wasn't blowing, but at least I had, I think, like a ten mile an hour wind or something at that point. So there was a little bit of movement. I got into 37 yards on him and I could see him, but all I could see was his antlers because of the way that the, the aspect of the hill dropped off. 
it covered up his whole body. And then when he got up and he was raking the tree, I still couldn't, I had no shot. And when he busted out, when he didn't bust out, when he started walking out to the left, I don't know. I, I don't know how I got my wires crossed, but I came around that big cedar and I think you were telling me, don't expose yourself around that big cedar. He's going to see you. And I stepped out and he was standing there broadside and it was looking right up at me at 50 yards. That's um, right. And the funny thing was, is I was going to go to that. I was going to go to that cedar that side, that side yep. and sit there because I knew I had a, you know, a kind of a clear lean down, down through the trees. And I was like, all right, well, you know, hopefully he gets up and he comes out this way because right above him, I didn't have, I didn't have anything. It was kind of stupid, but I, I was like, oh, I'm so close. I need to. You know, I didn't want to like back up because I, I kind of technically had to go back up like five yards to go around that cedar. I don't know. My brain wasn't, I wasn't making smart decisions, but. Well, but the, again, there's a, there's a time where you're in close and the buck, he ends up seeing you and he didn't like blow out of the country. You know, that he he just he sees something didn't know what you were mm-hmm. and he just moved he just moved on and i think by then it was dark enough or getting dark where we couldn't put another play on him that night anyway right yep 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 but how about how about the three by three stickers i think that was the first morning we we saw him drinking water and charles ended up working in on that three by three stickers decided to pass on him yeah which he irked me to no end because I would have loved to have <laughs> shot that buck. And we end up shooting him with, with Don, but he was so cool, man. That guy had mass and junk. Yes, he was only a three by three with you know with the eye guard. One eye I think he had one eye guard, right? I might have two, I can't remember. But he had one eye guard for sure. And then one sticker on one side. Like one yep. one uh kicker on the fork and he was just he was an older deer just not one of it was just a good character buck and uh i don't know i guess charles thought he looked small to him and then after the fact he was like i think i wish i would have shot that buck (laughs) after we ended up harvesting him (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah he he had him he snuck in on him at like i think yeah about 60 yards was the closest he got yeah, I think it was it was a little windy too, and so he could have shot him bedded. He said easily, you know, kind of almost broadside quartering away maybe. But um, yeah, I chose not to. Had I mean, a lot a lot of fun stocks, and that was, you know, that the four by four stickers. Mm-hmm. After we hunted him all those times, what morning was it that? he was right there below our, we call it the cabin, but it's basically just a dilapidated little building that's falling apart. And yeah, a little shack it just, it just gives us a spot where we can be out of the sun or, or the wind a little bit. Um, he was right there below us. Mm-hmm. That was, um, actually that was the next morning. He was right below us. Okay. So that, let me back up. So that night that the night before when I mess it up on stickers, shortly after that's when i it's first off it started raining right after that right after that all fell apart oh. and that's when i found that deadhead 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, we saw all those birds and coyotes, mm-hmm. coyotes everywhere. Yep, yep. And you were like, there must be something dead in that canyon. That's when I walked down there and I found I found that deadhead. Or he was not really a deadhead at that point. It was a half-eaten deer, which ended up becoming a deadhead. Um, <laughs> just not two days later or something like that, I don't remember, but it wasn't very shortly after that. They had that thing cleaned. Um, yeah, I think it was two days. Yeah. Yep. So... Yeah, we, the very next morning, Stickers was literally 250 yards below where we were glassing. And I tried to make a play on him. And that was absolutely nuts. Because going through those, you don't realize how thick that crap is, like, until you're down in there. You're just like crawling on your hands and your knees and you're trying to get through things without making noise. Again, it wasn't a it was a quiet morning, so you couldn't really, you know, you couldn't get away with much. And I had gotten to right where they were, and I had an opening, and they weren't there no more. And they had gone down, and I mean, there was a lot of craziness that happened. But all I remember is I backed out of the trees, and I went back over to the to one ridge to the south, like or one cut to the south. And I got over there. And you guys were telling me about what Stickers was doing because I can hear you talking on the, you know, talking to me on the radio about it. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. There's a buck right here. And I could just see the tips of antlers down in the cut to my, to my south. There was a buck feeding. And I snuck all the way into about 52 yards. And actually, in hindsight, I kind of wish I shot him. I drew back on him. He was cornered away, had no clue I was there. And um, honestly, I don't even know who, which which buck this was. I don't know that we even seen him again or if we did, if we even paid attention. But it was like, he was like a medium, a medium buck, you know, maybe a <laughs> medium to larger buck, possibly. I think he was right, right in that 145-ish range, maybe. Four by four big heavy body but he and he just went up the trees away from me to the south and i you know i was at full draw i had him at i think probably 57 60 yards something like that um when he started walking up the hill and then i came back to going after stickers that was the thing it's like i was on i was in pursuit after stickers and uh, yeah. when i got to the bottom of where those two cuts meet where, you know, does come running out of the freaking cedars right at me. One of them literally like ran me over and <laughs> stickers must've been chasing them through the trees right at me. And I, and I thought, I was like, Oh, okay, here it's going to, it's going to happen right now. I drew back and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I can hear him going back and forth in the trees. Like, but I can't see him, but I hear him ble- uh, grunting. Oh. And I'm like, oh my god, he's fucking, like he's right there, he's right there, like with less than forty, fifty yards from me, and I I can't see him, and I'm like kind of standing out in the open now, you know, I'm in a, on a grassy open spot, and you know, I had one doe run past me, the other doe saw me and ran back up the hill, and that's what screwed me up. I think she ran back up, so he just picked her back up and started running around up there, and. I don't know. One thing led to another, and then that all just like dissolved. I don't even know where they end up going. They had, you know, watching all of that. Oh, I know where they went. They're going down. 
They went across yeah, they, the way, remember? Because I stalked him. He bed down. Yep, that's right. I was going to say, he he went down into the spotted bear, and nobody saw him. And I thought, well, that's the end of that buck, you know, <laughs> which we were wrong so many times. But I, you know, you're I think I stalked him every single day, uh, Dan, almost yeah, every single yeah, day. You, I know at least you saw him every single day because some of those times you were trying to go from somewhere to somewhere else and mm-hmm. you bump into the, the bugger. But yeah, so I'm looking and all of a sudden I I see some does that were on the other side of Spotted Bear and you know I'm trying to scan to find another buck to to stalk. And the next thing I know is oh here's a buck he's he's a nice buck John. Oh he just turned. Wait a second, John. <laughs> so I think you came up to the cabin to get your bag or something. Yes, because I had left. I had gone after him because he was so close. I was like, I'm not bringing anything. I went back up. I'm like, and in hindsight, I kind of wish I didn't, but I went back up to get my cabin, uh, my, my um, bag at the cabin so that I'd have water and whatever else with me. And then I went to go stalk him and then I got to 94 yards and there was no more cover. And he was just, he was laying there and it was windy as hell, but it was still sunny. And then all of a sudden, storm rolled in remember like it started yep. <laughs> it started getting yeah. really bad so he gets it up it was like a, a snow sleet yeah it was yeah I, well where i was down there it was hailing on me yeah so he i remember he gets up and he actually comes closer to me but he the way he beds down i can't see him because i'm up on this like this i'm up on the what we call the the s curve uh yep it's basically this trail that the cattle use all the time and it's so beaten in it's probably like two feet below grade or something like that because yeah, i was gonna say uh, two three feet deep of just a, a cattle trail that washes out every right yeah exactly so i was peeking over that i couldn't see him i dropped back down come around through the trees and now i got eyes on him i get into position and I'm at 82 yards, and he's bedded, and all I can see is his head. And I'm like, shit, man, I can't get any closer. There's one tree. If I back up like five, six yards and come around and get behind this thick cedar tree, I could get to about 63 yards on him. And I sat there for, I don't know half an hour or 40 minutes debating whether or not to do this or should I just wait till he stands up and take an 80 yard shot but it was snowing or hailing at that point my backpack I had dropped I don't know 150 yards behind me maybe more so I'm starting to get cold this is always this is always the case over there this was the only time in this trip that it happened to me but Usually you get to a spot and you can't outlast the weather. Like you can't sit still long enough. This has been my problem. I can't sit still. Other people can, Charles can, (laughs) I guess. I can't do it. After a certain amount of time, I'm like, I'm too, too cold, too stiff, too whatever. And I I won't be able to perform. I know it because it's happened to me. It's happened to me there at least three times where I couldn't draw my bow back because I was too cold. I know all this stuff is going through my head and I'm like, man, should I just, let me just back up and get to the 65 yards, at least 
that activity, I'm going to generate body heat and stay warmer. And when I get there, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, outlast him longer. And I back up, I finally get to that tree. I mean, I don't know how long that took me, probably took me about 15 minutes and I was only 15 yards, but it took me about 15 minutes and I probably should have even done it slower. And right as I got to that tree, I felt wind gusts hit me in the back of the head and go right up towards him. And then within like three minutes of me being there, Charles was like, cause he was glassing him up at this point too. He's like, I, th- I think he just stood up. Oh, he's standing up. And he's walking up through the trees away from you. And I'm like, oh, fucking unbelievable. You know, yeah. I'm like, if I would have just stayed where I was, even if the wind hit the way it was, I was kind of like off to the left. And it wasn't like I was directly in line with them now, you know. And, you know, I probably could have cheated the wind if had I stayed. Plus... I was underneath the canopy of a tree who now was like completely exposed behind a tree. And it was just stupid. You know, once again, my inability to, uh, to be patient. And the funny thing is this, if I was there with a client, I would never say, let's go closer. <laughs> you know, I always yeah. say, let's just yeah. hang out here. You can make the shot. Okay. We can, let's stand right here. You know, yeah. unless they couldn't make that shot, then that's a different story. But even that I probably would have waited because the likelihood of him going up that way was a lot slimmer than him coming closer to me. Exactly. Yep. And, and when he got up. So anyway, that was, that was another blown situation on stickers. I think that's like, I don't know, brings us to the sev- seventh or maybe. I don't yeah. even know. What, what, one of my favorite is when we, we spotted him from the spring pasture and you're like, Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? There he is. He's laying down and he's like, you were like, I've been right over there. I know that area. So we drive so we could get what you're still a mile away, but yeah, we we drive closer to like two miles when we glass them up. Yeah. I had to get the (laughs) spotting scope out just to make sure it was him. Yeah. Yeah. And he stayed there and stood up and that's one of those times where you worked your butt off to get over there. So you work up a sweat, you drop your clothes, you're, you know, you're, doing the thermal regulation type stuff. But, and I got to watch all that and I got to see pretty much the whole deal. And again, like you can go through it, but to me, from my angle, you were doing everything exactly right. You were patient. You know, when I'm like, Hey, if you can't see them, stay warm, move your toes. And you were doing squats. And I, I think you were even thinking about doing pushups and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for me, I'm like, this is perfect. I I think the buck's going to go this one direction to John's left. And, and John, I think he has a per- perfectly fine shot to his left. And, and he does, he goes to the left, but just the whole, the way the wind and all that stuff goes. And, and then they see something they don't like. It, it's, it's like that thing had nine lives and he really, uh, he really that, did. It was so much fun watching that stock because where he was bedded, he was just downhill, so you couldn't see him, but I knew you had to be close, you know. And he gets up and rebeds down. I don't know what from your angle how you perceived all of that, but Yeah, no, dude, I that was probably the most frustrating stalk of them all. 
because there was no wind. I literally for a hundred yards, that stalk took me, we spotted him at 12. I was looking, I was trying to look through pictures before you got on here to kind of like give me uh yep. Give me references and time frame. I think we spotted him at either like 1230 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And that blew up on me like right before dark. Yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. You kept saying or thinking, I know you were telling me afterwards. It's like, I hope he doesn't stay here till right before dark because, you know, you yeah. left your clothes. You know, exactly. Well, I took everything <laughs> off because it was a pretty warm day. Yeah, and I knew as, as soon as the seven. sun goes down, it's going to get freaking cold as hell. And yeah. I was, I was basically just in my merino, and I think I had, yeah, I had merino and a fleece on at that point. Yep. And <laughs> of course, the wind started picking up too as soon as the sun started going down. And that made it much, much harder. So, yes, I was doing squats <laughs> behind the tree. <laughs> I was doing anything to stay warm. But the crazy thing about that whole situation was – and this is something I think guys don't realize. If you've ever been a spotter, if you've ever you know tried to help a buddy get into position, the way the aspect of the hill is and the way you see things – is never how it really is down there. Yeah, and that's a key word, never. Because <laughs> yeah. that's so true. It is. It looks yeah. one way, but it is never, ever how it, it looks from so yeah. far away. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And so in this particular situation, Dan was telling me, hey, the buck is down to your left. And he's gonna come out. He's gonna come out your left. So if you can picture, if I'm looking, if I'm looking straight ahead is twelve o'clock. I'm looking from about eleven o'clock to nine o'clock. Okay, I'm looking in that window because, given the information that I know, I'm thinking the buck's gonna come out to my left, and that's pretty much my whole left hand side. But in actuality, that buck was at like one o'clock, maybe even two o'clock. And when he came out where I can see him, he was at 12 o'clock. So by the time I kind of like repositioned my body, ranged him up, get ready to draw back to shoot on him, he already had picked me up. He already saw me standing there. And, yeah. um, and he, again, wasn't a hundred percent sure. He didn't really know. Like he saw something that he didn't like, and he just, you know, he trotted off, and then he took forever to leave that that area. I remember sitting there going, "Man, hurry the hell up!" I was I'm freaking cold because he was out of range, <laughs> but he just kept stopping and looking back, stopping and looking back, making sure nothing was on his back trail, and he was still in the same cut, you know, but he was. 110 yards or 120 yards at this point, not super far, but far enough that I couldn't shoot. And, um, man, so yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 37 yards from him. Yeah. If I remember right, 37 yeah. yards is what I ranged up his, his body when, uh, when he was behind yeah. that little deal. Yep. 
since we're still talking about stickers, the that was probably one of my favorite stocks, just the angle that I had to watch. The other one was the one where you actually did get to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and you were in so close, and he was with that doe. John worked his way in just perfectly. And it was, I think it was after a failed one, and he ran off, yep. and we got you back on him. Yep. And and you you'd come down by that tree that looked like it got hit by a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. You did a perfect job coming up through the cut and the buck and the doe had set so that, up that's so the, you got that was right wow. after the the one where I was 82 yards. That was okay. the one that we yes. were just talking about with the snow. Then that's right. The the, the snow, the bad weather kind of like lifted and he had moved over two two cuts or something like that and that's when I got up and, and Oh, that was such a perfect situation because, again, it's never how it looks from so far away. But the way they were feeding and the way you were looking up that little tiny cut, it up that little finger where it was a little wooded draw, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is, they're going to be 40, 50 yards. They're just going to feed right through there. John will have plenty of time to draw and shoot. And for whatever crazy reason, he leaves that doe. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> God, I couldn't believe it because she was right there, right at the lip where you couldn't see her, I think is what you told me, but you knew exactly where they're probably going to come. And the next thing we know, he loops around behind you and you can take it from there. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that situation was I'm in this cut and I call it the Christmas tree. There's this one pine tree. It's not a cedar. I don't know what kind of pine it is, but it's a pine tree. And I'm kind of behind it on this embankment. And the embankment continues up another, let's say, two and a half feet above my the height of my head, the elevation of my head. So I'm behind this embankment. There's a structure. There's no, no nothing can see me. And the cut that I'm in kind of goes uphill on an angle and peters out, which is where they're about 48 yards away from me. It, it comes up to like a plateau where it's a flat like bench area where they were going to, where they were heading to, where they were going to cross where you were talking. So I'm trained in on this. I'm facing to my strong side to my left. And what do you call it? The, that whole situation happens where he leaves the dough and the dough just stays there and feeds. So uh, in my head, he's forty. He's all the way up there, which is forty-eight yards, and he, and again, this is information going back and forth between you and I. And you said he's going back to where you left your pack. So I'm thinking he's got to walk that forty-eight yards at least to get into this main cut that I'm that I'm in. So I got at least ten seconds in my head to turn around, to face the other way. Like, I don't, I know it's going to be fairly quick, but I know it's not like, oh my God, he's right there. Yeah. Well, as soon as you said that, I turned around and I took one little, I'm on my knees. I took one little like stride to the left so that I could see in that direction and face that direction. And all of a sudden I got to hear you radio over saying, Oh, he must see you because he's kind of like 
startled and going up the hill a little bit. And I'm like, fuck, how's that possible? How the hell did he see me? Because I'm behind this embankment. So I kind of peek over and I see him. And I sh- I don't know why I didn't range it up. But I felt like I didn't have time, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah. he starts going uphill, courting away from me hard. And, you know, John Stallone in his awesome wisdom, he's like, oh, you know, he's 60 yards. You're the greatest archer that ever lived. And I just drew back <laughs> and I put my 60-yard pin right on his vitals, hardcore away, and I shot and I hit him right in the left antler. <laughs> and when you shot, I could not see the buck. I didn't know how far he was or nothing. I could just see you, see you go to full draw, you shoot, and I'm like, yes. And then I see the deers come out the other side. <laughs> and I'm like, so that, wait a yeah, second. I'm not proud of this situation. I wasn't going to even talk about it because I'm like, uh, it's just, not, it, it's just not, it's not good. It's not a good look for hunting, you know, when well, I do but, stuff like that. And I'm like, I can't believe that I just did that. Like, that's how frustrated I feel right now that I, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting at a deer that's walking away from me and I don't even know the yardage. Like if I knew the yardage, okay, fine. He wasn't running. He was walking and I've practiced that, but it's not. Don't get me wrong, frowned upon, not, again, not a smart decision, but it's something that I know I'm confident in, I could do, and I didn't know the range, but I thought I knew the range, and I don't know why. Anyway, as soon as he shot him in the antler and he started running, I I quickly ranged, and he was at 45 yards, which makes perfect sense, because if you take your 60-yard pin... And then you follow your pins up to where the 45 would be sitting, you know, splitting the yep. pins. It was right where his freaking horn was. And yeah, that's what yep. happened. So now, I didn't tell you this. When I got back, I talked to a friend of mine and he says, no way. You know, John shot one in the antler. He said, my, I think it was niece or nephew did the exact same thing. And the antler was, or the arrow was stuck in the antler too. Now, here's, I'm so thankful that it didn't hurt the buck. I mean, he he didn't even know that there wasn't even an antler. I think he shook his head or something. Yeah. And we watched him, we watched him till, you know, he crossed the neighbor's fence and I shoot, he's gone mm-hmm. with an antler sticking out of his head. Actually, before he crossed the fence, he was posturing to another buck <laughs> that was that was on the other side of the fence. So then he jumped the fence and he was gone. But I think when it comes to hunting, if you hunt long enough, I think you've heard it you've heard it a thousand times. There's gonna be some times where the wind blows wrong, that something happens. It's not a it's not a video game. It's things aren't perfect, mm-hmm. you know. And even the neighbor was talking to me. He had wounded, he shot one. And for two months, he walked around with his, with this arrow and then a rifle hunter killed it. And and he was not proud of that. I mean, he, this isn't, you know, that wasn't his goal. That's never a hunter's goal. And that's where I think when it comes to hunting, the emotions, you're hot, you're cold, your emotions are excited because you see a buck, you're going in a spot stock, you're frustrated I mean, you have to be prepared 
not only just physically, but the amount of emotions that your brain goes through in a hunt is, is everything you, you, mm-hmm. you, you gotta be, you, your mind has to be ready to be mad, sad, excited, all of it. And I, and sometimes at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so true. And I, I think that's um, – and watching people, you know, because I, I haven't shot deer out there, but watching people go through those emotions and being able to smile at them afterwards and be like, you know, it, especially if they're sad um, or, 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 or just – super angry mm-hmm. um to see how people manage their emotions it reminds me of this year my son got to go antelope hunting and i told, i warned him exactly the thing. i said when i go hunting with john and charles you're you better be prepared because you're gonna be all of this and he looked at me and yet we stalked four different times and each time he had tears in his eyes because he couldn't manage his emotions. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, he's so young, but what, what, a, what a life lesson in dealing with people, dealing with your wife, dealing with your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's just a hundred percent, man. I, I, yeah. I came to the, the, this crazy, crazy realization I, I got to be perfectly honest here. I'm going to be like, this is, I think I reached a new low on this particular trip. And it's really brought about with the fact that I just, it was not, this year was, was rough on me uh, all around. And from a ha- hunting standpoint, it's probably at least that I can remember where I, where I gave a damn anyway. Because before that, I probably just didn't give a damn. But it's probably my least successful, worst, like, ever in my career, hunting season. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Speaking of that, now tell me this. After you you say that, Mm -hmm. you, from day one, Mm -hmm. in your mind, in my mind, your target buck was four by four stickers. Yes. Does that like in all the other years we've seen good bucks, but I don't really remember you saying, Hey, this is my absolute target buck. It was like, we're on a hunt Mm -hmm. and I don't think any, any buck in the history of the last eight years that we've been doing this or whatever. I don't think any buck has given us that many opportunities from one end of the ranch to the other end of the ranch every day seeing him and being close to it, driving by him with a pickup at dark <laughs> and he doesn't even care because he's with his does you know he stands at 45 yards and i drive by him and i'm like are you kidding me this buck yeah right he's... if you were outside and you were trying to stalk him he would he would be gone but yeah yeah but do you think do you think that that plays a part in it where hey Okay. I got stickers. He's on my mind, and so yeah. I mean, for that- for this particular hunt, yeah. So, well, this is what helped me. So, you're kind of opening the door for what what my realization was. Like, I was really hard on myself and unfairly to Charles because the very next day he shot too tall, which is one of my one of my target bucks, and he shot too tall, 
and I was, I should have been super happy for him. And you can visibly see it. I even, I could see it in the pictures that we took that <laughs> I wasn't, and it wasn't cause I was mad at him. No, I was mad that he found success and I couldn't yet. And, but, and what, what, what it made me feel, it made me feel freaking terrible, man. Like I fe- it felt terrible that I had those feelings and I just felt terrible with those feelings. And okay. after a while I started thinking about it. I'm like, look how many opportunities you created and that you had on the show. Like we listen, we're only what a day four and we've already talked about me stalking this buck. I don't know how many times. <laughs> and I started thinking to myself, like, cause the whole time I was there, you know, I came to this realization much, much later, but the whole time I was there, I was like, I'm a shitty hunter. I'm not a good, I've lost it. I'm a has been, you know, like that's what was going through my head. Like yeah. it's weird to even have that kind of thing. This is like it's like you have an audience or something. Like you like the people really give a shit about what's going on. Like you I mean, yes, I have followers and whatever, but you know, I'm not doing a TV show. I haven't been doing a TV show since two thousand and sixteen. So I don't it's not like people are judging yeah. me, you know, in real time, uh and that I need to really worry about or, or that I should even worry about that, period. But like, yeah, I don't know. And then I finally like, I'm like, you know, you know what, John, you're just right now because of your situation this year, you're not practiced. And this is a cautionary tale. Like I've said this several, several times on the podcast. I talk about going Ibex hunting in 2015 versus 2016. I went two years in a row and when I'm prepared for something, so my style of hunting, I'm usually presented with an opportunity that you got to seize that moment right when it happens. Like mm-hmm. I very rarely have this. I'm not a super sneaky guy. Like I very rarely have a situation where, you know, it's calm, collected. I draw my bow back. I can kind of like, it's just. Boom. It's in the moment. There's your opportunity. There's your window. Take it. And I am not practiced for that. And I'm going through some changes as I get older. Like my eyesight is not as good. So those opportunities are even harder to capitalize on. And I, I know for a fact that had I been out there practicing had I been out there, even so, one of my major practices is coyote hunting with the bow. I I'm good at that's and that's why I took that shot. And there, you know, I didn't preface this conversation before with it, but the reason why I can take a shot with a deer walking or whatever is because I've shot coyotes on a full dead out run with my bow, you know, at 50, 60, 70 yards. You know, like I've done it. So yep. When I couldn't do it, I started feeling like terrible about myself, you know, and it just, it's just a, you know, it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with 
being, I'm just wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I was not, I was not in the right mind frame. Yes. And I still got a buck, but you know, the way I got the buck didn't make me feel any better because, you know, I, I basically stand hunted him. So that doesn't, doesn't make me feel like I fulfilled what my goal was. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. So, and I think, you know, what people need to understand too, that when Charles shot his buck, you were in the process of, of working the backside of the ranch. That's the furthest away. You'd been hiking your butt off, you know, I think earlier you'd had a shot at a coyote at 60 yards with 20 mile an hour winds, you know, like you're just still hunting and all of a sudden a coyote shows up. That's a whole nother story in and of itself, but you're working the backside of the ranch by yourself. You're doing all your spot and you're all your stalking all by yourself. And I think you, if I remember right, you saw four by four stickers back there. Yep. I had them at 50 yards. You had, you had another, what I think, thought i remember like a whitetail buck that was a really nice one that because people need to understand too like john stallone isn't he isn't completely away from his work so you're hunting but there's times where you have management responsibilities for your job Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay i've got a few minutes here nothing's happening I got to sit down. I got to answer emails. I got to answer text messages. I got to talk to my employees. I got, I got responsibilities to, to take care of back home a little bit while I'm hunting. Well, you know, that kind of boogers things up sometimes. Oh my God. And, that white tail bike. That was the worst. That was the so, worst. I wanted to cry. But, yeah. But my whole point is all that stuff had taken place you know, before Charles shot that buck. So you had frustration levels that were through the roof because of other situations that had taken place. Now Charles shoots his buck and, and he shoots it at a time when you were extremely frustrated. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so it was like a cold slap in the face to me at that point. <laughs> like I, so I, mean, I guess we're, I could talk about that real quick, but so that, that, that whitetail buck, he was probably like 160 inch, 10 point beautiful buck. And I'm sneaking up through this draw and I'm just about to get to this one spot and I'm standing there and my phone starts ringing in my pocket. And I'm like, hi. So I, quickly look around i don't see anything just like first glance and i pull my phone out of my pocket and i start talking to my employee and i get really bad news from him so i start getting louder and here 15 yards away from me jumps up this buck and runs away and i lost i literally i almost started crying i lost it i fucking lost it so that's when I pulled the earbud out of my ear and said, you guys have fun yep. working that working too tall. Cause yep. Charles was already stalking him at that point. I said, I'm, yep. I'm going to the, you know, I knew I wasn't going to have uh, radio service with you guys anyway. So I'm like, I'm going in the back. And then I went yep. to the back and everywhere I went, I kept seeing does. I kept seeing, you know, but I couldn't cause the wind was not, really was not great for that it was super windy that day but it wasn't great direction for getting in on them it was easy to see them 
but to, I couldn't work my way back around to get to him. And anyway, so I get into the very, very back northwestern corner of the ranch, and I could see the fence line 60 yards ahead of me. And I'm looking at the fence line, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm just going to go up to the fence, and I'm going to hit the fence, go down, go up the other side, and then I'll contact the boys. And I'd no sooner say that to myself, but I had knocked an arrow because I felt like I was going to see something in here. And I take one step forward and I look, I'm looking down, downhill and I hear something. I look over to my left and there's stickers standing up. And I knew, cause I just had ranged up the fence 60 yards. I knew about where he was. I came to f- slowly started coming to full draw and he's facing right at me and he just whirls and runs and I didn't, I didn't shoot obviously, but he was standing there 50 yards from me. And I was just Ugh. thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I had just given up in my head when I saw the fence line that I yep. wasn't going to see a deer right here. And there he was. <laughs> and if, had I stayed in like hunting mode and looking and trying to pick up ears and, and tines and whatever, I probably would have got that deer. Yeah. And then soon, so I hike my happy ass down to the bottom and start going up the other side to the top of the ridge where I can get service with you guys. And I get to the top and what do I hear? And Charles just shot his buck. So I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Can, I'm like, I want to be happy for him because that's like one of my best friends. And I'm like, you know, I know he yeah. had some he had some troubles too on this trip. We didn't talk about, but we could be on here for three hours. And it's like, Oh man, it was just like a kick to the fucking dick to me, man. Like I was like, John, you suck. You're the worst fucking hunter ever lived. Everybody else yeah. is having everybody else is and Charles is the only person. Everybody else is having success, but you. You know, it's like, and I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong with you? I just could not get out of my own fucking head. It took it took yeah. me till like after Don got his to like really start feeling like, hey, okay. <laughs> and yep. then I started Game thinking up. about it. Yeah. But anyway. Yep. So Well, I know you're on your uh your lunch break, buddy. And I was uh Yeah. I'm sure we could sit bet. here and talk for, for a couple more hours right, about this, but I, I wanna let you get back to work. Yeah. The I I work at Prairie Harvest and Spearfish. It's a specialty foods deal in the the boys inside are probably carrying my weight. They're, you know, you talk about people. I love working here. I love the people, just hardworking, great people. And uh, anyone that wants some good specialty foods from Wagyu from Japan to anything, you could go to Prairie Harvest and uh, we ship we ship meat all over the country. So we nice. got some wild game type stuff and everything. So anyway, yeah, I should probably get back to work, but boy. I, uh, so many memories that, uh, I hope, I hope more people are encouraged to not worry so much about what they get, but to live the experience of hunting mm-hmm. because I've done it now for eight years where I, I haven't killed anything, but yet it is so rewarding to watch it and to be part of it. And the things you get to see when you get your butt out of bed and get off the couch, mm-hmm. so many cool things, so many cool things to see. So yeah, you you talked me off the fence a few times on this trip, man. It's like you're, I, uh, 
even on this podcast, the, the, you busted out the therapy couch. <laughs> you know, you, you always got such a positive attitude. I even told you at one point, I'm like, stop being so freaking positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right well, thank you, John. I love you, man. Appreciate you. Hey, God bless you. All yeah. right, bye. Bye. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.